morning. Welcome to Olivet Community Church. Those of you just coming in the back and those of you joining us at home uh, with family and friends, welcome. We're so glad and blessed and honored to have you worship with us today. My name is Dave Mills. I'm the pastor at Olivet Community Church. And whether you're here in the room or watching us from southern France or, uh, or places across the United States, um, we just counted a privilege to worship Jesus with you. Uh, would you do me a favor, though, as we begin, uh, wherever you are, if you would uh, take out your phones and text your name to area code 812-457-9509. If you would just do that for us, it'd be a tremendous blessing as we seek to know. We can see that we're reaching about 120 people around the country, but it's so more helpful to know your names and to know that you're with us. By the way, you can give us any kind of feedback uh, that you desire when you do that. We uh, count it a privilege to be family, especially in these difficult days. Oh, I forgot I had my mask on. I'm so used to that. Yeah. We count it a privilege to um, be able to be family, and, and uh, we really would love to be able to pray with you and for you. In fact, we're going to do that even this morning as we begin our worship. But before we go further, let me just say a couple of housekeeping things with us. Um, next week, we're going to share communion together. And uh, for those of you who have not done that with us, um, we have a way of prepackaged, I know it sounds crazy, prepackaged communion so that as you come in, you can pick up a cup that, that uh, is absolutely sanitized and just keep it with you. And then during the service, we will open the first layer and take the bread. Then we'll open the second layer and drink the juice together. So um, just be, be prepared. Those of you uh, worshiping with us at home, we just invite you to, um, to prepare elements, to have bread and juice available so that when we get to that part of the service next week, that you can fully join us as well. So um, next week, communion, please make note of that. And next Saturday, I'm looking for Carol real quick. Is that correct? Um, this coming Saturday, Carol, is Potter's Wheel. And we have some of our, our team is not going to be able to be there. So if you are able to serve, uh, that would be tremendous. We expect to feed upwards of 150 to 250 people for breakfast, and, uh, and we, could, we could use the help. It's an amazing way to serve our community. Uh, we will look forward to that and, and uh, invite you to join us in that. There are many other ways that you can be involved, um, either personally or by supporting and caring I, um, we have missionaries throughout the country and throughout the world. We just really encourage you to engage. Um, let's continue, even in these difficult days, to make disciples who will make disciples. And um, we just look forward to partnering with you in that. A couple of other things going on in the life of our, our congregation. Uh, we've been studying together uh, the, the series, The Art of Being Human, and We've discovered that in these difficult days, um, yes, because of the COVID challenge, but also just because of our culture and where we're going, it's been very difficult for people to, to stand on their foundations. And, and so we have gone back and, and said, let's go back to the beginning. Let's study the Word of God together, and let's let it speak into our lives and then through our lives to our culture. So I just really invite you to stay engaged with, 
with us uh, through our course of study. Today, we're going to finish the back half of Genesis chapter 2, but in preparation for next week, you can um, do a soap study or you can do an individual Bible study on Genesis 3. Um, we've been seeing nothing but, but some very good news, uh, and in Genesis 3, we find out some of the bad news, and we invite you to go ahead of us in your Bible studies. There's several opportunities, by the way, to join with other people during the week and to open God's Word together. A couple of them happen right after the service. At 10.30 today, uh, in, um, online, uh, some small groups will be meeting, and we invite you to join us. If you have any questions about how to do that, text that number. We'll check that phone. Make sure we get the links that you need, or if you're here with us, we'd be glad to give you those links as you leave today. Wow, what a great privilege it is to be um, a part uh, of the body of Christ, amen? And, and uh, this week is going to be a big week for, um, for our family. Um, this Tuesday, is that correct, Chris? This Tuesday, um, Chris, who's back on the soundboard today, is going to be um, having surgery, knee surgery, um, and uh, we just wanted to take a moment today and uh, stop. And just be the family and pray for him. And then this Thursday, Riley is going to be going to surgery in Indianapolis. It's such a privilege to have you guys here today. And um, I, I know that um, this has been an amazing challenge. Is it okay to tell the story a little bit? Um, uh, we, Riley courageously fought back last year lymphoma. And at one point was able to be all clear again. And then we discovered just a couple weeks ago that it has returned. And his lymph nodes on either side. And, and uh, so he's going to have surgery uh, this Thursday to remove those uh, lymph nodes and then also have biopsy on those to, to create a strategy for, um, for his care. Um, at the creation of the world, Riley, um, your Heavenly Father created a strategy for your care too. Some of them are sitting right around you, uh, your family, but many of them are gathered here in the room. Just as we prayed for a couple of weeks ago, Jersey, and, uh, and God answered our prayer, we believe that God holds you in the palm of his hand as well, and you, Chris. Uh, to do this, um, we want to pray for you right now. Is that okay? Is that all right? Is that all right, Chris? To do this, um, I'm going to ask you two to stand, and um, if uh, if you're a family member, would you go stand with them and, and put your hands on them? If you are uh, near them, would you reach out for them? And uh, let's pray God's healing over these two men this morning. Give me just a moment for Tammy to get back there. Let's pray together. Oh, God, thank you that you created us and you formed us. You called us your own, God. And, and God, it is, it is not a mistake that that somehow um, there is a challenge in each of these men's lives right now. God, you entrust challenges to us to show your love for us and then to prove yourself glorious. So in Jesus' name, God, we just lift up Riley before you and ask you, we're grateful for the surgery, God. We ask you to guide the surgeon's hands and to bless every aspect of our medical care. God, more than anything, we just ask you to touch his body in Jesus' name, to heal him, to heal him. And God, I just thank you that he's yours. He's been set apart by the waters of baptism. He knows you. 
And God, you have blessed him. We just pray, God, we who delight in you, that you would give us the desires of our hearts and heal his body. And God, we thank you so much for our brother Chris, the Christ bearer, who's bearing Christ to our students even now. And, and you have entrusted him, God, with this special suffering. And I, I just pray that you would bless him as he undergoes knee surgery this day. And just pray, God, that you would glorify yourself in his complete and utter healing. And God, we just thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. God, we thank you that you always make a way, even through the darkest night, even through the greatest trials. God, we thank you that you are a miracle worker. You are a promise keeper. You take even the darkest night and shine light into it. Shine, God. Shine over these men. God, I know even as we pray for them that there are many in our midst who need you today. God, who have lost their way and need you to guide each and every step. God, we know that there are many here, and if you're one of them, raise your hand, who need a miracle today. God, I do. I do. And God, I thank you that you've gone before. We don't have to fear because you've already provided a way. But we love these men. We love you, God, and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Please be seated. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Sing it for us. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. i 
don't know if you can always understand, but for some reason, sometimes when God's doing his greatest work, it's not visible to us at the time. I, I know that, that God honors those who believe that he's still moving even when you can't see his end, even when you can't see that he's working. So God, I thank you that no circumstance we face is greater than your power to intervene. And God, I thank you that you're still in the business of creation. You're still in the business of renewal. You're still in the business, God, of sustaining us. Oh, God, we worship you. Prove yourself glorious, we pray.
Oh, God, what a comfort it is to know that no matter what storm of life we face, no matter what um, experiences we befall us, God, I, you are still sovereign. You're on your throne. And God, we thank you that through Jesus Christ, that throne now is in us. You reign in us. You live in us through your Holy Spirit. So God, with courage, God, in strength, we stand and we believe, God, that you are worthy of our worship. You are God alone. There is no other. God, even as I say those words, I just am overwhelmed by the, the many gods that have taken place in my heart, God, the, the many idols that I have given allegiance to. I thank you that you're not surprised from the very beginning. You knew that we were vulnerable to worshiping idols, the things around us that give temporary relief. God, you knew that we would be vulnerable to placing ourselves on that throne. And so you sent your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, that no matter what circumstance we face, as individuals, as families, as, as a culture, you're still sovereign. God, if we will just turn to you, if we will just return to you, God, God, you'll prove yourself glorious again. So, God, in the midst of very challenging personal experiences and situations, we declare you are God. You are sovereign. In the midst, God, when our hearts are are breaking. We're so concerned for our loved ones, our family members near and far. God, we declare that you're sovereign. You've got this. God, in a culture and a world that has, has been turned completely upside down, uh, we, we declare you are still sovereign. No, no power that's raised against you will stand. So God, give us faith, would you? In the midst of each of these personal and family and cultural circumstances, give us that mustard seed of faith to release to you our burdens and to take up your mantle and to boldly proclaim in the midst of the storm there is a God who's already made a way. And God, we're going to believe. 
that just as you have provided for us every step of the way to this point, so you will, God, until that day when we stand with you in glory, and that day that we understand all the circumstances that have befallen us. We see, like on the back of a tapestry, how every stitch, God, was, was your perfect hand making something beautiful, even when we couldn't understand. So God, receive our worship today. God, hear our cries. God, strengthen us on the inner person so that, so that you and you alone would be lifted up in our lives. And then, God, we just look forward with joy to celebrating your provisions. We look forward with joy to calling one another and texting one another and, and saying, isn't God good? God, we look forward with joy to that day when, when we discover even in the darkest night, we were never alone. So God, thank you that you've given us everything we need by faith, not because we can see it, but by faith, we receive that truth. And God, we offer to you our lives. We offer to you our families. We offer to you even our, our faith-filled saying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hear the word of God, would you, from Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior.
midst of deep sorrow, I see your light is breaking through. The dark of night will not overtake me. I am pressing into you. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You amaze me, redeem me. You call me as you own. You amaze me, redeem me. You call me as Try that you with own. You, you amaze me, you redeem me. You call me as you own. This morning's reading comes from Genesis 2, 18 through 25. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs 
and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, I just invite you to keep your finger in that passage if you have your Bibles with you or keep that in front of you on your phone what a great privilege to continue our study of just these absolute foundations, not just of, of our lives, but really of human culture, right? God had a plan, and he's working that plan. And we'll see next week, uh, we get to the difficult Genesis chapter 3, that we can mess up his plan. But God has a plan for our mess-ups as well. But today we wanted to go back and and continue our study of the way God designed it to be. And, and I have to tell you that, that this flies in the face of much of what our culture says is true. You will be pressed. You will be pressed. You're children of this culture as well as of God. So you will be pressed to wrap your brain around God's design for our lives. Again, I want to just invite you risk believing that every word of God is true. Even as she was reading the scripture, I was just struck each phrase would be worthy of our full attention for a whole week. But God does not waste anything. He doesn't waste a tear. I was thinking about you this week, Don. He doesn't waste a tear, right? I think Psalm 56, he collects them in his bottle, right? He, each tear is precious to God. He doesn't waste a word either. And so um, let's, let's see if we can uh, dig deep today. Let's see if we can try and understand God's design because to the extent that we can then live into that design is the extent that we will, we will flourish as a people and as individuals. So God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be an acceptable offering to you, O oh Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Wow, I'm sitting here still in Isaiah. Let me get back over to Genesis as well. Um, what a powerful statement. Let's summarize where we've been. We, we declared in the midst of a culture that would deny that God even exists, we, we declared several weeks ago, four weeks ago, that, that God himself created the heavens and the earth. Do you remember that? God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, there is an intelligent design. There is an intelligent designer behind it that set this world into motion, that sustains it. Every sunrise and every, every sunset, every breath we take, God sustains it. We looked the second week at how that happens. How did he do it? And it was important. It seemed so trivial at the time. Because something like God said it, it sounds so, so, um, so minuscule compared to the magnitude of what happened. But, but God spoke it into existence. He said, and we saw it was. And why is that so important? 
Because God is still speaking, right? He's still speaking into our lives. He's still speaking into our circumstances right now. And, and what he speaks is true. And what he says will happen, will happen, right? And then we saw that second week, too, that not only did he speak it and it was so, but then he declared that it was good, right? Then the third week, we saw the pinnacle of God's creation, and we were flying with, with uh, Moses at 30,000 feet, right? And, and, and we saw that beautiful expression in Genesis 1, 26, that, that so God, and 27, so, so God made Adam, humanity, in his image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. And we saw the pinnacle of God's creation was this, um, this creation of humanity. And now, whereas God had said before, it's good, now he said it's very good. It's very good. Then we saw um, in Genesis chapter 2, we skipped a couple passages that we're going to come back to. But we saw in Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, even last week, that, that whereas in Genesis 1, we were flying at 30,000 feet, it's almost like God put a telescope on it and, and zoomed us in on the second half of that last day of creation, zoomed us in on the creation of, of humanity. And we saw this amazing thing, how he created Adam from the dust of the earth, right? And, and, and gave him meaning and purpose, but, but something, something in this creation is not good. And that's the startling contrast that we see in our passage today. Because remember, where we are right now is that there is, is a man created, but, but he is alone, right? And now, for the very first time here, we see something's not good in this. And, and it's kind of a teaser because... We know God is a good God, and he's moving us towards something. It's almost like he wants us to understand. He wants us to understand why we need one another, right? And so in, in verse 18, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, says, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm treading on on hearts here because all of us at some point and many of us at this point are feeling very much alone, right? I'm feeling very much alone. And, and I want to ask you, receive his word today by faith. Don't stumble over his design. My prayer is that by the end of our study today, no matter what circumstance you find yourself, you'll be able to see God's hand in the midst of that. So, so it, it's not good, God says, for a man to be alone. What did he do? He did the strangest thing, right? The strangest thing. He, he paraded before Adam all of the animals that he had created before him, right? And he actually... As, as a part of the challenge we'll see in a couple of weeks to, um, to have dominion over his creation, he gave Adam the responsibility. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I'll tell you why. He, he gave Adam the responsibility of naming these animals. The reason I'm laughing is because there's just a hilarious comedy uh, sketch about Adam naming the animals. I, I apologize. I won't be able to do it justice, but, but, but 
you see some animals with these amazing creative names, right? Like hippopotamus. I mean, isn't that beautiful? Hippopotamus, right? Elephant, right? And, and it's like when he, when he began that Adam had, had this amazing creativity. But there's a lot of animals, right? There's a lot of creation to be named. And so after a while, he gets a little less creative, right? Cow, right? And then and maybe even less creative than, than that fly, right? Um, I, I, I love the fact that God entrusted to Adam so precious a thing as, as naming. We're going to see that come right back at us in just a moment. Why, would it, why did God do that? Why did he parade these animals? Well, it's, it's clear right here in Scripture. He did that because he wanted Adam to see yeah, you know, we, got, we got man's best friend, right? We got man's best enemy, cats. Sorry, I had to do that. Um, but neither of them, whether you're a dog person or a cat person, neither of them meet the deepest need that we have. It's almost like God wanted Adam to see that, that nothing else could meet him there in this aloneness. And so, so the word of God says that God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man. And while he slept, he took out one of his ribs. He closed up that, pla- that place with flesh. And from that rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he fashioned, he made a woman. Don't miss this. He brought her to the man. The last thing I did before I came to Indiana was do a, do a vacation Bible school with children of the church that we were at on Bainbridge Island. And, and one of the skits was of, of this exact moment when Adam sees, um, sees woman for the first time. And, and the joke in the skit was he went, whoa, man, right? And, and named the woman right there. We know that's an English play of words, but the reality was this, the word is very strong. He said, this here is, is probably the clearest translation. It's like, look at this. Look at this. This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh at our wedding. Uh, one of our worship teams sang that song for us. You are flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones. We are one. We are one. Do you remember that? Adam discovered that God understood his aloneness and that God not only spoke into it, but created and fashioned into it and then brought this woman. I guess what I want you to see here, and I'm going I'm to call this something first and then hopefully justify it in our study today, but I want you to understand that that in spite of everything the culture is saying right now, all the attacks on individual people's identity, all the attacks on this profound institution of marriage, that marriage is God's design. Marriage is God's design. Some of you just went, whoop, 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 and that's okay. That's okay. Not everyone is called to it. Not everyone is in it. In fact, a very small percentage of our culture is actually married right now. But I want you to understand 
But God had a primary, a primary institution that he created so that we wouldn't be alone. Again, I'm going to come back and try and pick up every situation that we find ourselves in. But let's look at this design for just a moment, right? God created men and women to complement each other, right? To complement each other. That, that includes just our physiology, the way we are made. That includes also our, our emotional makeup and, and, and our thought patterns. If you have not discovered it, men and women uh, fundamentally think differently. They, they respond differently. And praise God, we saw a couple weeks ago that that's a part of God's created design. It's not like a fluke. God designed us so that only together can we fully represent the image of God. Only together can we um, represent an invisible God in a visible way, right? So he, his design in the creation of humanity was, was complementary, male and female, ish and isha, right? Man and woman, Genesis 1.27, he created Adam in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then in verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So God's design in the creation of humanity was male and female together representing the image of God. But his design in creation also included this idea of marriage. It's, it's clear here from the flow of Genesis 2 and 18 through 25. In verse 18, it is God and not man who decrees that man's solitude, it's not good. It is God and not man who sets out to complete one of the central designs of creation, namely men and women in marriage together. It's God who says it's not good. It's God who says, I will solve this. I will make a helper fit for him. Do not stumble over that word, beloved. Do not stumble over that word helper because it, 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 it describes a relationship that is a partnership. God himself, at least three times in scripture, is called our helper, right? There's nothing subordinate about God being our helper. There's nothing subordinate about this word that God chose to use for man. Whereas God created man out of the dust, God created woman out of man's bone, right? So that together they could represent him. Do not stumble over that. Marriage is a beautiful partnership and as we'll see, a visible expression to the world of something critically important. So the text ends with these amazing words in verses 24 and 25. They shall become one flesh, and the man and his wife. You are stumbling over where, where all of a sudden I'm calling this marriage. Right here, God calls it marriage. A man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. In other words, all, it's all moving toward this idea of the design of marriage. So the first thing to say from our passage today about marriage is that it's God's doing. God set it apart. It's not just some thought, some human idea that we came up with ourselves. It's God's doing. 
And, and as, as a result, it's good. Well, I would say it's very good, right? Marriage was his design from the very beginning. Another way we see that it's his design is in this amazing expression. Let me just say it bluntly first, and then you challenge me to see if I can support it. God gave away the first bride, right? Did you see that? It went by so fast in the scripture. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Oh my gosh. One of the most amazing experiences of my life was walking Chelsea girl down the aisle, right? Oh, if you remember that, I I wasn't able to do it. But I wept all the way down the aisle, got there, and and my brother in Christ, Kip Traeger, Jordan's dad, said, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And I got to say, her mother and I do. I got to bring. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see what's happening? God, our heavenly father, brings Adam the very first bride, right? Marriage is God's doing because he took it upon himself the dignity of being the first father to give away the bride. He did not hide her and make Adam find her, right? He made her and then he brought her. And in a profound sense, he fathered her. And now she who is his by virtue of creation, he gives to Adam. Wow. Isn't it interesting that so many aspects, even of our current culture, people who don't believe in marriage, in so many ways they still uh, represent God's original design, even in our culture. Marriage is God's doing because God not only created woman with this design, but he brought her to the man like a father brings his daughter to her husband. But also... Because God spoke the design of marriage into existence. Remember earlier we saw he speaks, it is, and it is good. Now he speaks the design of marriage. In Genesis 2.24, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast. Remember that King James word? Cleave, right? Cleave to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Who's speaking right here? All right? Uh, it's like a commentary was stuck in on this amazing thing. It's reason so well, that's some editor somewhere along the line. Or if you're particularly um, heads up right then, you might remember that, that it's Moses who is speaking, right? The writer of Genesis is speaking. And, and what did Jesus believe, right, about the writer of Genesis? He believed that it was Moses. I don't have time right now, but Luke 24, 44, Jesus declares that it's Moses who wrote this, right? But he also believed that Moses was inspired by God to say those words so that what Moses said, God said. Here's Matthew 19, 4 through 5. Jesus answered. They were challenging him about divorce. He says, have you not read that he, God in other words, who created them from the beginning made them male and female, right? And he said, note God said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This wasn't the impact of our study today, but it's such an affirmation of 
of divine inspiration. Moses said the words, but it was really God speaking through Moses, right? God is speaking through Moses. The word is God's word. Therefore, marriage is God's doing because he spoke the design of marriage into existence. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, right? And the two shall become one flesh. Boy, it's so tempting to, to go off on a bunny trail um, how critical it is that, that marriage um, be, uh, be kept central, right? We'll, we'll pick that up in just a moment, the critical importance of it. Hold on to that thought, and we will pick it up in a moment. So God created men and women, male and female. God spoke the design of marriage into, dis, into existence, but he also performs the miracle of of marriage, and I was sharing, I practice, preach my messages um, at a nursing home here in town, and happened to be all women that were, were there in the nursing home for the worship service, and, and I told them that one of the things I love about what I do is, yeah, we have amazing, um, uh, challenging moments, amazing um, times when I can't even speak, when I'm just overwhelmed with the pain and the sorrow of the situations that I'm experiencing, there's also moments when I get a front row seat on the miracle of God. When, when, a, when a new child comes into the world and, and I, get, I get to pray over that child and I get to see the joy on the faces of the mother and the father, there's another miracle that I get to witness on a on a regular basis, and it is this miracle of two sovereign, complete, whole individuals becoming one. And, and what, what Genesis is saying is that God is the one who does that. God performs the miracle of marriage. But from the beginning of creation, Mark 10, 6 through 9 says, God made them male and female. Are you seeing how many times this this design for marriage is repeated in throughout Scripture. He's quoting again Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, right? And, and, and we think, yeah, we got that from Genesis. But he continues, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. This is Jesus speaking. And then Jesus says, what therefore God joined together? Let not man separate. God performs this miracle of marriage. And I know when you reach those hard times and you're not sure if you can go on and everything within you screams to say, just run away, run away. Remember, God knows what he's doing. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an oops. You know, God never says Oops. When God is in it, when God is that third strand of Ecclesiastes 5 in that marriage, it's never beyond his grace. It's never beyond, not just repair, but, but, um, but restoration. God is the one who joins us together. Therefore, Jesus says, it's not within Man's power to destroy, and by man I mean men or women. It's not your choice to destroy that, right? Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate, right? 
Well, let's move on. What is, if, if this is true, if marriage is really God's design, if in, in his sovereign wisdom he created male and female to complement one another, what, is, what does God's design require of us? Well, the implication of this is that, that God's design requires that marriage be a primary relationship, a primary relationship, right? And we have so many other relationships. We have, we have parents, right? And, 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 and we want to honor our parents. I was up late last night on the phone with my sisters trying to honor my parents, right? Trying to figure out how to care for them and bless them, honor their desires at the same time, and provide for their care. But God is saying that can't be the first relationship. To me specifically, he's saying, Karen is more important to you, Dave, than your mom and dad right now. That's hard, right? That's hard. And how about the other direction, right? It's so easy, and believe me, with grandchildren, it's so easy to to pour my heart into my children and my grandchildren rather than my bride, right? For men, and especially even for, for many women, our child is not a physical child, but it's our work. And we pour our most creative moments into our work, and your primary relationship gets the leftovers from that. I'm so grateful for you, Karen, just because so many times um, things are unexpected. And by the way, I'm just really terrible at keeping her updated when unexpected things happen. I, I jump onto them my horse and start riding, and then I remember I should have told Karen what I was doing. She's so gracious in supporting that. The danger for me, the danger for you, is that those other things, our work, our children, our parents would become of primary importance. God's design requires that marriage be the primary relationship. But God's design also requires that marriage be a permanent relationship. It follows from the primary, doesn't it? Your children are with you in the home for just a few years. Except Maddie. Maddie's going to live with us forever and provide for us. Didn't tell you that part, did I, honey? Your children are with you for just a few years. Your, your partner is with you for life. Cleave means cling to, hold on to, bone to bone, skin to skin. It means you're glued to something, right? So that when you're married, it sounds like where you're stuck. Yeah, but it's a beautiful stuck, right? After Jesus quoted this verse, he said, what therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. This means that the marriage relationship must be built on something other than temporary physical attraction. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for I'm going to use a strong word here, eros, right? The the romantic love that is such a beautiful part of our created design. But but that is not enough to sustain you through the challenging times, right? It is beautiful, but it ebbs and flows with, with the years. There's times when you feel so romantically involved, and there's sometimes where you want to strangle each other, right? But there's something deeper. There's a commitment kind of love that supersedes that. And Jesus calls us to that kind of commitment. It's a permanent relationship. God's design requires that marriage be a private relationship as well. The text says, to his wife. 
Doesn't say to his wives, right? It says to his wife. I actually looked it up this morning. When, when did polygamy first enter in? Uh, it was six generations after Adam. In a, in a spectacular part of the story, Lamech uh, took another wife. And the world has never been the same. Oh, you're saying there's lots of people in Scripture that had multiple wives. Yes, that was never God's design. Do not misunderstand. Well, didn't even David have, I mean, David, a man, yeah, yeah. And that was his stumbling block, right? Please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying women are a stumbling block. But for David, his lack of an ability to be in a monogamous relationship was the downfall of his kingdom, and the repercussions of that are with us even till today. God designed marriage to be a private relationship. This is weird, but that means that when you you get married, you give up those other close friendships. They they are um, secondary. They're important, but they're secondary to this primary relationship. And and that's something that our culture is not good at. We find a lot of our needs met by people other than our primary spouse, and that was not God's design. Um, marriage is intended to be permanent. It's intended to be primary. It's intended to be private. But it's also intended to be intimate, to be intimate. The one flesh implies sexual union. But 1 Corinthians 6 says that that you can have, you can be one flesh with a prostitute, right? There is, there is a real danger that, that um, either physically or emotionally or mentally that we will be one flesh with people other than our spouse. Now, if you're in that situation, I want you to know that there's hope, right? The mercy of God is such that he can forgive you and he can heal you of that. There is hope for the future, but you've got to start with the understanding that that's not God's design. That's, that's a failure on humanity's part, right? When you remove sex from the context of marriage, you might experience a superficial closeness, and I think that's why the world is so attracted to it. It makes you feel like there's a closeness that's not there emotionally or spiritually, right? So, so apart from a lifelong commitment to marriage, we're never going to find the satisfaction that God desired apart from um, the marriage relationship. Let me just say it bluntly, and I'll move on. Sin always hinders intimacy, and that's especially true in marriage, right? Sin always hinders uh, intimacy. That's why I'm so grateful. Jesus, that he can forgive sin. He can remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. God can do that. So his design is beautiful. And don't let the world tell you something that God says is not true. Hold up everything that you see on TV. Hold up everything that's said as a political platform. Hold it up against the word of God and ask yourself, what am I going to trust? What am I going to believe? Marriage is God's design for men and women. But I want, I'd be reticent, or 
it would be a failure on my part if I didn't say also that marriage is for God's glory, right? The one other place that this passage is quoted is in Ephesians 5, 31 to 32. He's quoting Genesis 2, 24 again. He says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, right? What kind of relationship is this? How are two people held together, right? Um, then, he, then he goes on to, to declare that, that I'm speaking about Christ and the church. How many times have you come across that passage in Ephesians 5 said, what are you talking about here, Paul? Are you talking about a relationship between a man and a woman? Are you talking about a relationship between Christ and his church? Yes, Paul says. Both and. Do you understand this? That that God's created design is that we would live out before the world this mystery of marriage, and in representing the mystery of marriage, we will be proclaiming to the world the gospel that Jesus Christ loves his church. In fact, his church is called his what? His bride, right? The bride of Christ. Marriage is patterned after Christ's covenant commitment to his church. Christ knew he'd have to pay the dowry marriage with his own blood for his redeemed bride. And he called this relationship a new covenant. This cup is poured out for you. It's the new covenant in my blood we'll celebrate next week. This is what Paul's referring to when he said marriage is a great mystery. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Christ obtained the church by his blood. He formed a new covenant with her and an unbreakable marriage. Worship team, come on up if you would. Staying married, therefore, is not about staying in love. It's about keeping covenant with your spouse, but especially with the God who in a miracle united you together. Till death do us part, as long as we both shall live. It's sacred covenant promise, right? The same that Jesus made with his bride when he died for her. Therefore, what makes divorce and and remarriage so horrific in God's eyes is not merely that it involves covenant breaking with the spouse, but that it involves misrepresenting Christ and his covenant. Do not hear what I am not saying. Do not hear what I'm not saying. God's grace is greater than our sin. But when we start by calling something God says is sin, not sin, we start down a path that will only lead to pain and to our destruction. If, if human relationships are a model of Christ's relationship with the church, then you need to understand this. Christ will never leave his wife ever. You need to understand this. Christ will never leave you, ever. What if I'm single? What if I'm widowed? What if I'm divorced? We don't have time. But would you, on your own, go to Isaiah 54? Because God makes incredible promises to those 
who are right now without a marriage partner. And basically what he says is, I will be your husband. I will be your marriage partner. Even if you aren't currently married, you can still experience that covenant blessing. And you can still claim this promise that Christ will never, ever leave you. Pray with me, would you? Oh, God, thank you. In a world gone crazy, you call us back to your word. You remind us that though pain and sorrow and brokenness and sin has separated that which which you declared glorious, God, thank you that, that at any point we can turn back to you. We can... We can rise up from our knees, God, and stand before you and declare, God, that you're still in the business of changing lives. Oh, God, may it be true today for those who feel so alone today, who feel so much condemnation today. God, would you give us the grace to believe that, that you've already gone before and created a you give us the courage to boldly stand and say, yes, I'm a broken man. I'm a broken woman, but I worship an unbroken God. I worship a God who's able to redeem even my greatest failures. Call me his own. How marvelous, God. How wonderful is that. Oh, God, help us to see a glimpse of what you see today. Help us to see ourselves and you as we really are. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I stand in awe, so amazed, totally changed by your presence. Every time I look into your eyes, I see a glimpse of what I always wanted to be. Let me be changed. Let me be changed.
you as you live into your created design. I know I stepped on about everybody in the room's toes uh, today. Go back to God's word. Search it out. Uh, if there's some way I could serve you and, and talk with you, I'd love to do that. But know this for certain. He didn't design you to be alone. He created you to experience his presence moment by moment and day by day. And then he gave you these little human reminders these precious other people to walk the journey with you. Peace of Christ be with you. Would you be seated for just a moment, very quickly, beginning with those of you in the back. We're going to be releasing you. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in coming and then in, in gently honoring others by masking up and by um, letting us dismiss you. Um, remember that there in just a few moments, uh, uh, Sunday school classes will be beginning. We invite you to join them online if you would choose. In the meantime, we'll look forward to seeing you again next week as we worship God together in Genesis chapter 3. We're dismissed. I am not alone.